Good morning. Good morning. Something's going on here, right? We don't have our typical uh, really spiritual intro to Luke music going on. Uh, yeah, that's weird. Sorry. Youth pastor comes in and kind of ruins everything. It's, uh, it's part of my job. No, I'm the, I'm the youth pastor here. My name is Drew. And uh, I want to give a real quick shameless plug to Emanate and uh, what's going on there. I want to say if you are in 6th through 12th grade and you aren't currently coming to Emanate, we would love to have you because there is there's stuff going on. And uh, so every Sunday morning during the 930 service, our 6th through 8th grade students meet. We do small groups. Sunday nights, we're, uh, all the high school small groups are going to be getting together. And, uh, and then we have Wednesday nights at 630. We have our main youth service of the week. And it's awesome. And uh, I'm not saying this so that uh, y- you will come and I'll feel better about myself because I talk to more people on the stage or anything. Honestly, it is God's doing something. God's doing stuff in Emanate that is that's so cool. And uh, the leaders are fantastic. And we're all our, our, our goal is to get out of the way so that God can move uh, and then things like this last Wednesday happen where uh, people walk in with uh, with a sickness or a problem and they walk out completely healed by it. And God was doing stuff this last Wednesday that was just just nuts, just so cool. And uh, we want to celebrate that. We want you to be a part of it. So if you're in 6th through 12th grade, come join us. If you are uh, not, but you have a friend or family member, we want to invite you as well. But... Um, I probably need to explain why in the world uh, we have the boys are back in town introducing this message. And uh, I think it's kind of obvious, right? Okay, good. We're good to go. Good. We're go- I don't have to explain it. No, we have... So we're going through this series on Luke. We introduce the book and uh, then we talk about the birth of Jesus. We talk about him growing up, him being baptized, starting his ministry, his temptation, doing all this, the, these miracles and all this crazy cool stuff. And so at this point in his ministry, what Jesus is doing is he's getting the band together. He's going out and he's calling his disciples. He's like, all right, boys, we going, we going to take the town and we're going to like, this is going to be awesome. And we're going to kill it. And uh, there's a slight paraphrase of what he actually says. But it's kind of the idea, if you get, if, if you get the idea. Um, and so we're reading from Luke 5, 1 through 11. And uh, I got one of our students, Andrew, who's going to be coming up and reading this. As he's coming up, I want to give a real quick uh, disclaimer. When he reads about Simon or Simon Peter in here... No, that's the, that, that's the disciple, that's Peter. Simon, Simon Peter, Peter, all the same dude, kind of crazy, kind of weird dude. So, go ahead, kill it, Andrew. What's good, everybody? Y'all having a good Sunday? <laughs> all right, great, let's dive in. All right, so one day Jesus is, or one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, 
We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boats, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Come on. Thanks so much, Andrew. Give him a hand. So uh, I want to I open up before we go into the main part of the message. I want to open up with prayer. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're doing in this passage. I thank you that you call us. And I thank you that you give us an opportunity to respond to your call. Lord, uh, I pray during this service, during this time, that uh, everybody here would not listen, would not hear the words of Drew, but would hear your words for them. God, that uh, you would empower me to speak what you want to speak and to shut my mouth when I need to be silent. Lord, will you move? Will you do what you have to do during this, this service, God? We are yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Uh, so what we see here, we see that in, in this passage, Luke 5, 1 through 11, uh, Jesus is calling his first disciples. He's getting this band together and he's, he's getting something started. And, and it's really cool that uh, and that this is this is what he's doing. And, and that uh, but we kind of get like a skewed idea of what this term calling is and that's what we're talking about today we're talking about calling and being called and and we kind of put the super spiritual idea onto it of of like if you ever heard someone say i feel called to blank right and usually that sentence is finished up with something along the lines of working in a church or being a missionary in some place and they go i feel called to this and that's what we think of and that is a type of calling that's actually called that that's a specific calling it's a calling for you and where you're at to do this specific thing at this specific place it may be a job that you have it may be and god does that but i don't believe that's what this passage is about this passage is not a specific calling it is a general calling. And so this is the second type of calling that there is. And this is what Jesus is giving to these disciples. He's saying, "Hey, this is what I'm calling you to." In Matthew 1 or sorry, Mark 1:17, a parallel passage of this. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says, "Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." And this is what he's saying to them. He's saying, "Come, follow me." And this is not a unique call to these disciples. And, and what he's doing, he's calling them to discipleship. And uh, when you think of disciples, we think of the 12 and this elite crew that he has and these boys, this band that he's getting together. And uh, when really, a disciple was anybody who followed a rabbi. 
and his teacher. And so you would grow up and uh, as a, a, a good schoolboy who was uh, studying hard and he would he would graduate at like 13, 15 years old. And he would uh, then start looking for if he wanted to be a rabbi, he'd start looking for a rabbi to follow. And he'd go over and he'd find a rabbi and see if that rabbi would accept him. And if he was rich enough, if he was smart enough, or if he was spiritual enough, he would get accepted. Everybody else was 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 not allowed. And so this this idea is a disciple, then they would become the disciple of this rabbi. And they would follow around this rabbi, and their goal was to become like the rabbi. They would follow him around, literally follow them, and do what they did. They would copy their actions. They would listen to everything that they said, so that they could then go and take the teaching that this rabbi taught, and teach it themselves, and live like this rabbi. So the goal was not just to learn from them. The goal was to become them. It is, uh, it's, it's very similar. And this is kind of the idea where we get our leadership development process from. It is where, where if you want to be a leader at good news church, your goal, what, what you do is you go and you first become an apprentice and you go find a leader and you watch them, you listen to them and you go, I want to become like you. I want to lead like you and, and you follow them until you can lead on your own. And this is the same idea that, that would happen. And so Jesus didn't just have 12 disciples that were following him. Jesus had, at one time he sent out the 12, 12 disciples. And then another time he sent out 70 disciples, followers. And then another time he's teaching to these giant crowds of thousands of people. And it says, many of his disciples left him on that day. They're followers that go, huh, that teaching's really hard. I'm going to leave. And so the, he, he had hundreds and thousands of disciples that, of people that would follow him. So it's not this elitist idea. Does that make sense? And uh, that is, it's, it's this general calling of come follow me. And that is, that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. That's what this passage is all about today. It is Jesus is calling you to follow him. Jesus is calling you to follow him. And this is not just a passage. If this is your first time here, uh, that, and you have, you, you have not like decided that you're going to give everything to follow Jesus. And, and you've never made that decision. You've never asked Jesus into your heart. You've never done any of that. This message is, is for you. But if you also, if you've been coming to church in like for 50 years, you have a mess, missed a week and you love Jesus with all your heart and you read through the Bible like 50 times a year and you are the most spiritual person in the whole room, like this message is still for you because, because Jesus is calling you to follow him. And we're going to look into this a little bit of, of what that means here. But uh, everybody has this call. This call is not unique to just these disciples. Everybody's given this call of Jesus saying, come, follow me. Uh, Romans talks about how even creation 
even the way that, that God made the world, it cries out to him and it makes us go, man, God, it, there, there's something there and God calls us to him even through creation. And, and I know for me, I received a, a, I did receive a, a specific call where I felt pulled to, to go into ministry, specifically youth ministry. But I also, before that, I, I, I received a general call. Where I would say it's, it's this moment in the boat that these disciples had. I felt like I had one of these. And I was about 10 or 11 years old. And I was, and I remember a dream. And it was the first dream I had that was specific. That was prophetic. And that actually had meaning to it. It wasn't just like a dream and you wake up. Uh, I was taking a nap yesterday and I had a dream. And this is all it was. I grabbed out of my pocket my keys. And I tossed them to my wife. And I hit her in the head. And, and I felt so bad that I like woke up from my nap and I was like, Oh no, that just ruined it. So, uh, that dream has no significance. And, uh, most of my dreams have no significance. This one, however, had a lot of significance. And what it was, we were walking down the road, uh, just some road. And I was with my friends. Some of my Christian friends were with me and we were walking and we, we see on the horizon, Jesus coming. And Jesus is coming and, 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 and he touches the horizon and as he starts going back, he, he's bringing everybody, all, all the believers with him. And, and so I am, and, and, and this is the, like, I, I grew up in the, the left behind age. So like, this is where this is all coming from. And I see all my friends go, yes, and they're running to him. And, and I have the opposite, the emotion that I feel in this dream is, is, is fear and, and sadness. And I start freaking out and I go, no, 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 Jesus, stop, stop. And I'm trying to pull him down. And I'm saying, no, wait, well, wait, I got rich. You don't, rich doesn't know you yet. I got Josh, my friend, Josh, he doesn't know you yet. Wait, you can't go up yet. You can't take us yet. I got my friends. They need you. They need to, they aren't going to be going. And I was, I was freaking out and I was crying and I was sweating in my bed and I woke up and my sheets were, were, were torn out off my bed and I, I was just sweating and it was this, this, this moment where I knew Jesus was calling me to live a life of greater purpose. He was calling me not to ministry. He wasn't calling me to, to anything in particular. It was this general call. I'm calling you to live with purpose. I'm calling you to live for something more. And Jesus calls all of us to that. And that's what these disciples are going through. In fact, there's three things that, that Jesus calls to. And that's the first thing. He calls you to purpose. He says... I am calling you to become a fisher of men. What does he do? He takes their, their trade, their fishermen. He takes their trade and he says, I'm going to give some purpose to that. You are a fisherman. That's cool. That's awesome. Your goal is to uh, catch fish to sell them, to make money for yourself so you can pay taxes, so you can support yourself, your family. That's good. It's not bad. It's not incorrect. It's incomplete. It's not incorrect. It's incomplete. And it's this idea that you're living for survival and for yourself. And when we think of purpose, a lot of times we, we think about looking in the mirror. We think about ourselves. And we think about going, what do I need to hold on to so that I find that my life is worth it? And there's a lot of me 
in there. There's a lot of me, and, and we, we, look at, we look at purpose in this way when instead our flesh, our sinful nature, makes us want, always want to like care for ourselves first. But how we were created was the exact opposite. And you're never going to find purpose by looking in the mirror. You're going to find purpose by looking out, by looking at the people around you. And suddenly when you start living beyond yourself and for other people, suddenly purpose finds you. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, hey, look, I'm not calling you to be fishermen anymore. I'm calling you to be fishers of men. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to call you to do something with what you've done, to take what you know and to give it purpose. And that's the first thing. He calls them to purpose. Second thing is he calls them, it's a calling to power. And it's this idea of Jesus. Uh, I, love, I love this conversation that he and Peter have. And he goes over and he's like, hey, Peter, just finished my sermon. What you think? Good? Awesome. How about we go out and do some more fishing? And Peter's like cleaning his net and he's like, I'm done. Like, we didn't, I didn't want to, I wasn't planning on doing this. And uh, Jesus is like, let's go out and catch some fish. And then Peter breaks the news to him. And uh, in verse 5, Peter says, Master, look, we, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. And so what's going on is, is, is Peter's going, look, rabbi, master, teacher, you are, you're, you're so wise and you're so good at the scriptures, but you aren't a fisherman. Like, you don't understand, Jesus. Let me tell you how this works. The fish, if they bite, they bite early, early in the morning before, before the sun even rises. We fished then. We didn't catch anything. And now you want us to go out in the middle of the day when the fish aren't going to be, when, when, when there's not going to be any fish biting and, and you want us to go. All right. Well, that makes sense. And how many times do we have the same type of excuse? Jesus, God calls us to do something. We walk by someone and they're on crutches and, and you, you see them and God highlights that person to you. And it's like, hey, go pray for them. Oh, God, like, you got to understand. The last time I prayed for someone that like for healing, it didn't work. Nothing happened. Remember that? It wasn't, it wasn't good. And, or, or, Hey, go pray for that person. Whoa, hold on. That person that you're telling me to encourage to pray. Do you remember the last conversation we had? Do you remember how that ended? Cause it didn't end well. And so like, that's not, that's just not going to work this time. Hey, I want you to go talk to that. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not my personality. God. That's not like I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't do that. I, I like, I don't, I don't talk to people. I'm not talking for myself. I'm saying like, these are excuses that we can have. I'm certainly not an introvert, but, uh, these are, these are things that we do. And how often do we stop at that sentence? Look, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch anything. Okay. We have plenty of reason not to go out there, but Peter doesn't stop there. He says, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And it's this idea of obedience, of, of following through on what God's called us to do, what God's, what's God, and, and, and it's this idea, Peter would never have seen the miracle if he didn't say that second sentence. If he would have stopped at that period, we didn't catch a thing. So, no thank you, Jesus. 
teach me a lesson, preach another sermon, do something else because I'll, I'll take a different lesson from you. And instead, we need to respond with this obedience. Hey, it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. It's not supposed to be orderly. And Jesus calls us to do things that breaks every rule of wisdom and logic. And, 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 and he calls us to do something that's crazy and weird and radical and makes no sense. And we have to obey. And we have to step out and obey. And, and this is what Jesus does. He calls them to power because he says, okay, you got to see what it looks like to fish with your power, with your ability, with your authority. Want to see what it's like to fish with mine? And he shows them. He says, look, I'm not just calling you to purpose. I'm calling you to power. I'm calling you to something that's so much greater. You can do what you do by your own authority. But when you invite me, when you, when I come along, suddenly there's something greater. Suddenly something he says, watch what happens when you do it on your own. Watch what happens when you do it with me. And he's showing them this difference. He's calling them to purpose. He's calling them to power. And, this, and the third thing is he's calling them to permanency. He's calling them to what, what this is. It's a relationship. It is in, in it, because it's a general call. It's not vocational. It's relational. The call he's given to us is not vocational. It's relational. And, and it's this idea of him saying, hey, look, this doesn't end. This call that I'm giving to you, it's not like, hey, this week, I want you to follow me. Next week, you're good. You're off the hook. I'll let you know next time that I need you to follow me again. That's not what it is. It's this relationship that he calls you into. It's this permanency that he's calling you into. And what's interesting about this passage is as you look in Matthew and Mark, that, that the calling of the disciples and, and what happens here, it's actually placed in a different place in scripture in, in the chronological order what actually happens is is it's placed before what pastor walt preached on last week and so this is this is how uh and, and there's some differences in the story that that leave that, that that lead us to believe and my myself scholars agree on this that this actually one of two things is either going on because the first, uh, what, how Matthew and Mark say, Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee. He goes and walks by a boat. He sees Peter and Andrew fishing in the boat. He's like, yo, come follow me. Keeps walking. They follow him. James John, hey, come follow me. And then he goes and he starts doing all, the, all these miracles throughout Judea. And, uh, and in Luke, it's, he's doing all these miracles throughout Judea. And then he comes and he's teaching people. That's not mentioned in the other one. And then he gets into the boat and then finishes the teaching, goes out, does a miraculous catch of fish, and then calls. And, and, and the stories are a little bit different. So one of two things is, is happening. Either they are the same story, placed in a different order in Scripture, and recalled with different memories and emphasis on things that they that each uh, gospel writer found important or most likely what's actually going on here is these are two different callings two separate occasions and so let, let's look at this from peter's eyes okay let's look at this from peter's eyes peter jesus is walking along the sea of galilee he says hey i want you to come follow me Come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And then, and then James and John does the same thing. And then he ministers. And so this idea is, oh, cool. 
I, Peter, get to be a disciple of Jesus? This dude is like, he's this rabbi I, I've heard of, I've seen. He's done some really cool stuff. This is, this is awesome. He's got some crazy, everybody's talking about him. And he wants me to follow him? Oh my goodness, that's crazy. Right about now, Peter is about 30 years old. And so he has, when, when you typically follow a rabbi, you're about 15 to 18 years old is when that starts. And so he's already past this age of like, well, I tried, I failed, nobody wanted me. And so I went into my father's trade. And, uh, and that, that's what he, and suddenly he gets called and he, oh, this is so cool. I get to learn to be like Jesus. Wow. And he goes and then, and, and so he calls them and then they go and they do this tour of, of, of Galilee in this area and Jesus is teaching and he's healing and Peter, which, which crazy is Peter's like, wow, I'm seeing what you're doing. This is sweet, Jesus. This is so cool. In fact, in, uh, Chapter 4, verse 38, we see what happens is, uh, if, if you want to pull that up, chapter 4, verse 38, says, After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home. Who's Simon again? Peter. Yes. So, Jesus gets in Peter's house. Peter gets to host Jesus and he's there and his mother-in-law is, is sick and he's like, hey, can you come heal my mom? What happens? She gets healed and it breaks out this healing, this massive healing service that's going on. And other parallel passages say that 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 the whole town came in, came to the door. All the sick of the whole town came and got healed. And Jesus, in Peter's house, Jesus starts, touch, healed, touch, healed, touch, healed, touch, healed. Every single person that comes in. And can you imagine what it's like to be Peter at this point? At, at this point, Peter's probably standing back looking like, this is cool and all, but I'm supposed to be like that? <laughs> That's impressive, but I can't do that. I can't, I can't do that. And people are looking, probably looking at Peter like, you're his disciple? Can you do this stuff too? <laughs> no, I can't. No, no. And, and, and Peter, Peter's lost. And, and, and then he's like, okay, well, well, cool. Like he's just doing his thing. I don't think that's like, that's my thing. I don't, I don't think I can do this, but it doesn't stop there. Then they're like, hmm. Well, I guess everybody in the town's healed. Wait, someone possessed by a demon. Let's bring them in. And so then they start bringing, then, then this, this exorcism meeting starts happening. And person after person, Jesus is like, demon, get out, shut your mouth, leave. Demon, get out, shut your mouth, leave. And he just starts, he starts getting, freeing all these people. It's awesome. And Jesus has this incredible authority. But can you imagine what it's like to be Jesus' disciple in this room at this time? I can't do that. This is nuts. What is he doing? This is crazy. What was I thinking? I'll follow him. I'll become like him. No, I can't. And can you imagine what it's like to be Peter as a fisherman? This is like a pretty, 
like it, it, it's not this elite, amazing, glamorous trade. You think about fishing now. You think about deadliest catch stuff like that. And and these guys are uh, like hanging out on these boats in the middle of nowhere. And I don't know the last time that they brushed their teeth or bathed or any of that. And their language is very well suited for uh, being in the middle of the ocean where no one else can hear you. And. Uh, the, and, and all this, like, none of it works out for like, oh, you look like a disciple of Jesus. And, and, and so this is where Peter's at, and he's, he's just sitting there, and I'm just imagining Peter, I can, yeah, come on. And I just imagine Peter, like, freaking out, like, oh, dear Lord, this is not good. This is not good. I don't know how, okay, so you know what, Jesus, I followed you. I've learned your teaching and thank you so much for all you've done. I'm going to go back to what I've been doing. And this is not actually a rare thing that would happen. Disciples would often follow their rabbi, their master, for a matter of weeks and months rather than years. And so this is totally normal where he's like, cool, I got my lesson. I've learned about the good news of the kingdom of God. That's awesome. I love your, your, your preaching. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to what I've always done, though, because what you're doing now, that's like, that's, that's not me. That's just not my thing. I can't do that. It doesn't fit my personality. It doesn't, does it sound familiar? It's, it's too, I'm not good enough to do that. I'm not good enough to follow you. I, I can't become like you. Jesus, you're calling me to something that's, that's way too big for me. Does that sound familiar? And this, this is where Peter's at. So what does he do? He goes back to fishing. And what happens? Jesus comes back and he's teaching people and suddenly has this following of all these people that he's, he's ministering to. And where does he find himself ending up? At the same place where Peter parks his boat every night. And he walks by the same place and he sees Peter and James and John. And he sees, what? Who are Look, hi guys, how are you doing? I had no clue you were going to be exactly where you always are. Wow, what a coincidence. And so he's like, hey, can I borrow your boat? I'm going to jump in your boat. I'm going to finish my sermon. All right, sermon's done. Amen, altar call, go do your thing. Peter, Let's go take care of some business. Let's go out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee and let's have a talk. And can you imagine what Peter's feeling at this time? He just followed Jesus. He said, yes, I'll follow you. And then he's like, okay, I'm done following you now. I'm going to go back to, uh, I'm going to pretend that this altar moment, this incredible exchange that we just had when, when, when I went to, when, when I went to this amazing real conference, this men's retreat, this youth conference, whatever it was. And I had this encounter with God and I'm, and, and then I leave and I pretend like nothing's actually changed and I pretend like, and, and just go back to how I previously lived. And that's what Peter's doing. Peter is caught he's caught in this 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 place and can you imagine him rowing out his boat and sailing he's like all right this is awkward like my teacher's here and uh i i was following him now i'm not really anymore but i still like him and and so and so he's like, well, I'm going to show him. All I got to do is get, I got to get through this. I'm going to throw out the net. Look, Jesus, no fish. Let's go back in. We're done. Okay, we're good. And what happens is he throws out the net. A miraculous catch of fish happens. And Peter's going, no, no, he's doing the supernatural stuff again. He's doing 
breaking out these miracles and stuff. And I can't, I can't handle this. I can't do this. And so instead of what we would think Peter would be doing, you see a miraculous catch of fish. You would think his response would be, wow, Jesus, you're so cool. You're awesome. Yes. I want to follow you. Whatever you ask, I'm, I'm, it's done. Instead, what does he do? What does it say? It says he fell on his knees in verse eight. It says Simon Peter realized what has just happened. He fell on his knees before Jesus and said, Lord, please leave me. Please leave me. Look, you don't, you don't, Jesus, you don't understand. I can't do this. I'm not like you. I'm not good enough. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Look, you're so good and you're so holy and you're so magnificent. And Peter's realizing that the, the way he, he has this moment of complete humility. And this guy who's kind of a like this prideful talks before he thinks. And, 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 and he, he has this incredible humility. Why? Because we don't learn humility through looking at our own flaws. We learn humility through looking at the greatness of God. And, and he sees, and he sees this greatness of God and he goes, I'm not worthy. I can't follow. And the crazy thing is, is he's right. He is dead on. He, and he is not worthy to be a disciple of the Messiah. But Jesus calls him anyway. And Jesus wasn't surprised about this. He wasn't surprised that after he called him that Peter then left and, 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 and deserted the first call that he had given. Jesus is not surprised by this. And, and, and you see, Jesus, how does he respond? He responds with the same thing. He calls back to the same idea of where Peter was. And he says... Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Remember what I said earlier, Peter, about you? Do you remember what I said earlier about you? That I'll make you become fishers of men? That hasn't changed. Nothing's changed. What I've seen in you hasn't changed. You abandoning this has not changed. Your sin has not changed the way I've seen you. None of this has changed. Yeah, you may be too dirty. Yeah, you may not be qualified. Yeah, you may not be good enough at this. Yeah, you may not have, have the talent level or the, the, the specific personality type that you think may fit best. But that's not what I'm wanting. I don't need you to, to do and perform and to do all this. I just want you to be with me. I just want you to follow me. That's all I want. I just want for you to follow me. And that's what he's saying. And, 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 and he calls back to that first call he gave him. And this is this call to permanency. It's this idea that, that Peter, like us, can, can live like he's abandoned the call that God's put on his life. To, can live like he's, not, he's never been a follower of Jesus and calling is a lifestyle. Calling is about relationship. Jesus is calling you to follow him. Jesus is calling you to follow him. And if you don't hear anything else in this message, I want you to hear this one thing. I want you to hear this. You are called. You hear me? You are called. 
you don't have to be this elite, amazing person that, that has this specific, this, this, this tendency and this, this, all, all this stuff. It's, that's not what he's looking for. He doesn't even need Peter to be the most amazing, faithful disciple ever. He's just, I'm just calling you, okay? I just want to be with you. That's it. And this isn't even the last time that Peter does this. Jesus guts on the cross, he dies, and where does Peter go? goes fishing again. Jesus has to call him again. It's crazy that this is, this is Peter's situation. And this is Peter's deal where, where he keeps having to, to go back. And, and what, what Jesus is doing with this call, he says, Peter, look, I know your trade. I know your talents. I know your lack of talents. And I'm calling for you to take what you know. What's ordinary, what's bland, what you think is not special, and I want you and I'll, I want you to do it in an extraordinary way. With me, and that's what Jesus is calling you to. Jesus is calling you to do the ordinary in an extraordinary way. Whether you are a mother, whether you are a father, whatever it is, if you go, hey, this is all I do. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. That's that's what I. It's, it's not that special. God's calling you to do something ordinary in an extraordinary way. You see, the way that Jesus I- interacted with these disciples, he said, "Look, when I'm with you, suddenly your catch of fish is a lot different. You see that? When I'm with you, suddenly there's something different." And I want to ask you guys this question. I want to ask you guys, who are you following? Who are you following? You see, when, when Jesus calls you to follow him, many times he finds you following something else. Peter, he found him, every time he found him following something else. Do you see that? Every time. And, and we can follow a couple different, we can follow the world, we can follow what, the, we can chase after money, we can chase after provision, and we can chase after sin, we can chase, and, and, and we can chase after, we, we can follow a person, we can follow a celebrity, man, I just want to be just like them. And even with really good intentions, I see people that try and follow a, a, a celebrity pastor or something like that, and what, man, I want to, I want to be like this person who's created, I want to be this person, instead of going, I want to be like the creator. I want to be like Jesus. I want to look like, I want to follow him. And I go, who are, who, who are you? What, what's your goal? Are you trying to live, act, think, talk, dress like this, this, this person? Or are you trying to live, act, think, talk, look like Jesus? And, and, and so you, you, you can follow. Uh, and the hardest thing to determine what you're following is yourself. A lot of times we think we're following Jesus and we're following ourselves, and we're following and, and we're trying to say, hey, Jesus, do you want to come in to the call that I have for my life? Do you want to come and partner up with me in what I'm doing? And we pray this prayer all the time. Jesus, would you bless what I'm doing instead of saying, Jesus, open hands. Would you take away if this isn't you? I give it to you. It's, it's all yours. And, and, and instead, instead of asking Jesus to follow you and what you're doing, go, Jesus, I want, I want to follow you. What are you doing? I want, to, I want to see what you have for me. I want to hold my life with an open hand because Jesus is calling you to follow him. To follow him.
If the band will come up as we, as we finish this, if we can go to uh, the, the last slide here, verses 10 and 11, we see the, this, this answer. So you're feeling a call. There's some of you in this room who are feeling a little restless, who are feeling like, I feel this call. I feel him pulling. I feel th- this, this come follow me. And, 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 I, I, and I know that's for me. And, and he's, he's highlighting this to you. And you just need to know, what do I do? How do I respond? And we look at the disciples. It says, as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. The interesting thing about Matthew and Mark's passage on this is they say uh, that Peter, James, and John, they left their nets and followed Jesus. They left their boat and followed Jesus. They left their father and followed Jesus. And the difference here is in Luke, suddenly they leave everything. And they're, they're, they're burning their bridges. They're saying, you know what? I'm done. I'm, do- I, I'm, I'm done holding on to, to, to this stuff. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to follow you. I'm going to give absolutely everything. I'm going to leave absolutely everything and follow you. Because Peter had no clue. The crazy thing is Peter had no clue when Jesus said, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He had no clue what he was going to go through. He had no clue that a couple months later he would be feeling this way. He would be feeling so insignificant, not good enough. And, and, and that doesn't really matter. It's like a child who, who feels, when I grow up, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a train conductor. I want to be a doctor. I want to be something like that. And, and Morgan's younger sister, Taylor, felt this uh and and so my sister-in-law she we have this picture at uh at my in-law's house and it's a picture that taylor drew when she was real little and it says when i grow up i want to be a doctor and it shows her being a doctor and when she was you know well she's six or something like that when she was six years old did she have any clue what it would cost to be a doctor the amount of student loans, the amount of schooling, the amount of education, the tests and the stress. Like our, every every semester, every year, she would she would have another test. It's like, hey, fifty uh, percent of people fail this test, and if you fail it, uh, you're just done with medical school. You got to find a different career. And it's like, oh my goodness, this is so stressful. What you're going? Did she have any clue? No. She goes, that's my end goal. That's what I'm going for. And so as problems and hurdles arise, I go, oh, okay, so that's what it takes to get to there. That, oh, okay, that's what it takes to follow Jesus. Okay. And it's like, it's, it's like for me, uh, I, I did sales before I came on staff here. And my goal in sales was to get a signed contract. And, and so just like Jesus communicates to the fishermen in their language, Jesus shows this passage to me in the same language. And, and it's kind of like this idea of him presenting you with a, a, a blank contract. And it says, hey, all I need, I, I need, this is what I need from you. This is what I'm going to give to you. I need your everything. And the rest of it's blank. And he can fill it in with absolutely whatever comes up in life. Whatever he wants. He can fill it in with anything. And you got to sign the dotted line. He says, I've already signed it in blood. It's, it, my, my, my side of it's done. Are you going to follow me? Are you going to give absolutely everything? Are you going to leave everything and follow me? And, and it's, this, it's this idea of signing going, I don't, I don't know what's coming, but does it matter? You see, Peter, 
Peter had no clue when he accepted that first call. He had absolutely no clue that he was going to be feeling this way a couple months later. He had absolutely no clue the persecution that he would face. He had absolutely no clue the ridicule that people would would give to him. He had no clue that he would have to see the very master that he said yes to died and crucified and beaten and bloody on, on a cross. He had no clue he would have to go through that. He had no clue that he would deny him three times on that very same day. He had no clue that he would end up dying upside down, hung on a cross. For this man that he said yes to. He had no clue about this. But you know what else he had no clue about? He had no clue that he would be one of the few to walk with the Messiah in his ministry. He had no clue that he would be able to see Jesus do miracle after miracle after miracle. And he had no clue that he would that Jesus would come and restore him three times over just like he he, he, he abandoned Jesus three times. He had no clue that he would get to see Jesus rise again on the third day. He had no clue that he would get to see Jesus ascend into heaven. He had no clue that he would get to be a part of this plan. About, get to be a part of the first people who, who, who received the Holy Spirit. He had no clue that he would get to write two books of, of the New Testament. He had no clue that he would get to be a part of changing the eternity of, of thousands of people. You see, it's the blank contract. You, Jesus can't, he can't show you the cost because you'll have no clue the value. You have no clue. He, like all the cost that Peter had, it was so worth it. So worth it. You see, we, we are given that same call. If you'll, if you'll stand with me, I want to, I want to look at the beginning of this passage again. At uh, verse 1 and focus on focus on the first two words it says one day the crazy thing about this is it wasn't a special day it wasn't on Sabbath it, it wasn't during a year of jubilee it wasn't during an amazing feast or holiday it wasn't on Easter it wasn't anything like this it was just a random day when Peter woke up did his thing went to his job and and then suddenly Jesus intervened suddenly Jesus intervened and, and this this could be your one day when you woke up you went to church you've done it before and, and suddenly, Jesus is calling you right now. And from this moment on, you're never going to be the same. And he's calling you to something. And so I want to give you guys the opportunity to respond to, just like Peter had two, two calls. I want to give you the opportunity to respond to this first call. This first call is Mark 1.17. Jesus saying, hey, follow me. First time. First time, I want you to follow me. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never said, I want to follow Jesus, I want to give everything. I, that, that's what I want to do. If you've never done that, this is going to be your opportunity to respond. This is going to be your day to respond to that call and say, yes. And then the second call that Peter receives is not a call of, hey, I want you to follow me. Jesus doesn't even say that in the second call. He just says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be a fisher of men. Don't be afraid. Now on, you'll be a fisher of men. Don't you remember that call I gave you? I want you not to just leave 
a couple things. I want you to leave everything. I want, I want complete abandon. I want for you to follow me with absolutely everything that you have, with absolutely everything. Stop, stop holding back. I want you to give everything. And for those of you in this room that have received the first call, you've already responded. You've already said yes. And your job now is not to, to, to say yes to Jesus for the first time. Your job is now to say yes to him again. And just to step another step in obedience and get the strength and the boldness just to say yes one more time because he's, he's calling you to something that's bigger than you. He's calling you to something that's, that's too hard for you, that's too hard to surrender, that's too hard to give up. And, and, he's, and he's calling you to purpose, to power, to permanency. Again, this isn't the last time Peter fails. This isn't the last time. It, 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 it's about surrendering again, every day, again. Yes, Jesus, I'll follow you again. And you're going to have this opportunity. If our altar workers will come forward, you're going to have this opportunity to, to respond to one of these calls. And if you want to respond to the first call where you say, for the first time, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want you to find one of these altar workers up at the front. And you, if, if, if you want to respond to the second call and, and uh, you, you can find one of the altar workers as well. But, but I specifically, I really want you, if, if this is your first time, you need to connect with one of, these, one of these leaders up front. So they can help lead you through this, this amazing decision that will change the direction of your eternity. And Jesus is calling you. During this prayer, I'm going to pray here. And during this prayer, I want you to come up. During this prayer time, I want, if you need to respond, I want you to come up. Whether it's the first call for the first time or whether it's the second call for the thousandth time. It's your opportunity to respond. Jesus, right now. Jesus, right now, we all bow our heads and we close our eyes and we, and, and we submit and we give to you. And we submit and we surrender our lives again. And there are those in this room who need to respond. God, I pray that you would give them the boldness to step up right now. Step forward right now and, and respond to the call that you're giving them. To respond, to, to physically respond to what you are calling them to. And Jesus, I pray that we all would live a life like Peter of surrender, of giving it up again, of giving everything again and, and, and saying, you know what? I haven't done it. And God, I need to surrender more to you. I need to give my life to you again. God, no matter the cost, you are worth it. No matter the cost, you are worth it. You are called to purpose. You are called to power, to his supernatural blessing in your life. You're called to permanency, to a relationship long term with him. Thank you, Jesus, that you are calling us to you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to take some time we're a little bit over, and so I want to formally dismiss you if you need to go. But I want to say, let, let's honor what's going on at the altar here. There's some of you who need to hang out here for a little bit. There's some of you who need to hang out here and just, just respond or just to listen or just to sit at the feet of Jesus. And to say yes again. 
So let's be respectful. Let's hold conversations out there. But for the rest of you guys, I thank you so much for coming. I bless you guys. Can't wait to see you next week.